This short little selection from the Gospel of Matthew this morning feels like a whiplash of change from last week's warning about the inherent trouble that comes with following the gospel with all your heart and mind and body and soul. This morning, instead of the ways that following Jesus will cause complication and trouble, we hear about welcome and the rewards that will come from practicing it. Welcome, we are reminded by the gospeler, can be extended to the influential and powerful, the prophets and the righteous, but also to those little ones who offer nothing in return. It is through giving that welcome again and again in profound and powerful ways and in small acts of kindness that we begin to discover God's welcome to us, in us, and through us. I read a brilliant article about this little passage this week by Emily Towns, who is a womanist theologian and the dean of Vanderbilt Divinity School. The article was so good that I actually embarrassed myself by cheering out loud in my neighborhood coffee shop where I was reading it. Towns writes, Christian faith advocates compassionate welcome that encourages us to trust, to be open, to share, to eschew manipulating others and to live a way of life that is beyond personal gain. And once again, we are reminded in just a few short verses that the call to Christ is at once simple, welcome all in all ways and at all times, and complex. Do so with humility and integrity in order to truly know God's welcome in your own life. I think we here at Christ Church are especially situated to practice this powerful, radical welcome if we decide we want to do it. It comes straight from our founders, and they might not even have known it. More than 250 years ago, a group of people near here coalesced around the notion that a nation might could be built on the idea that just as all people were created equal in the eyes of God, maybe we could also be equal in the eyes of the law. No monarch or dictator should rule but a government elected for and by the people. It was a crazy idea, a wild idea. It was a great experiment that would take an enormous amount of work and an even more enormous amount of courage to produce. It might not even be possible, but they believed deeply in this idea and they had the desire and they had that courage. And after many years of war and negotiation, our nation was born. Now, we have made some spectacular errors as we have grown into the full expression 
of that crazy idea. But we've made some brilliant and courageous strides toward becoming the great nation of which our forebears dreamt. Do you know what else that those very same brave and intelligent and hardworking people did more than 250 years ago? They founded a little church built, I believe, on the same principle that we are all equal in the eyes of God, built on the same principle that it takes everyone in a community together to make that community thrive, built with love and with faith and with courage. Those who founded our country and those who founded our little church never could have imagined what it might mean, lo, these many years later, to proclaim that all, our, all are welcome in this beautiful old brick building. They never, never could have imagined the depth and breadth of humanity that would populate this beautiful country. But they knew courage and they infused it into the bones of our congregation. It's our legacy, my friends. More even than the names of any one or two famous congregants, more than any action of war or political stance that this church has lived through, our legacy is courage. Courage to listen to what God is calling us to do Courage to listen and learn and then risk making changes that will show that we really mean it when we say all are welcome. There's always been a faction of our nation that values the comfort of a small few over the rights and needs of many. And it seemed to me maybe in my optimism, that for a little while that value system had started to erode in favor of increased human rights for all. The long arc of history appeared finally to be bending toward justice. In recent years, in recent months, in recent days, our legal system seems to again be invested in perpetuating systems that ensure that the comfortable remain comfortable and the marginalized are being pushed further out. Last week, I hope you were here with us when in his beautiful and challenging sermon, Bishop Gene Robinson reminded us that following Jesus will get us into trouble. It's the John Lewis good trouble kind of trouble, but trouble nonetheless. Really following the example that our Savior set is uncomfortable at best and will cause us to question everything we thought we knew. God's are gonna trouble the water if only we choose to wade into it. Because following Jesus requires courage in addition to faith. And lucky for us, courage is our legacy. 
In the article I referenced earlier, Emily Towns reminds us that a welcome that is born out of our own self-interest is not the welcome of Christ. And yet, when we are left to our own devices, we will always fall back into the old patterns of pride and ego and self-doubt and all the others. When we practiced instead the true welcome that Christ asks of us, we must be willing to give up those old patterns, the ones that serve only ourselves. Towns says, compassionate welcome means approaching each other through God. This is how we recognize that genuine human relationships emerge from putting the grace-filled hospitality of God's love at the very center of our lives and at the center of our relationships. My friends, God is asking us to do some really hard work. And I'm not even sure we know what that work is just yet. But we are reminded in just this little short passage that God knows that sometimes we need little goals to help us get started down the right path. And Jesus, through the Gospel of Matthew, offers us one. Whoever gives even a cup of water, says Jesus, reminding us that even small, selfless acts of kindness help orient us towards the courageous, welcoming disciples that we must be. And so, my friends, I'm sending you out into the world today to think about what your cup of cold water will be. What small act will you accomplish to make yourself closer and closer to that vessel of welcome for those who have been cast out? Will you join one of our sacred ground circles to welcome knowledge into your life that will change your heart? Will you sit in a completely different part of the church next week? <laughs> I know, don't be scared. It's gonna be okay. Wild, wild, then the preacher went wild, she went crazy. <laughs> to help you gain a new perspective about how others experience worship. Will you seek out a place, a church or a restaurant or a store where you are the minority and then quietly and respectfully observe your surroundings? Will you learn a few phrases in a new language in order that you can communicate with people you encounter new to this country, trying desperately to make a way. What will you do? How will you offer a cup of cold water? And then will you build on that experience, growing in courage and in faith as you change the world, as you change yourself? Will you do that with God's help? Words from the poet Emma Lazarus's famous sonnet are etched at the base of the Statue of Liberty, our nation's premier symbol of welcome. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, 
the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And then our Christ, our Savior, takes those words even further. Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. Whoever welcomes you, welcomes the one who sent me. And now, Christ Church, it's our time. It's our time to claim our legacy of courage and answer this welcoming call. Amen. Amen.